Where is oh, the man. largest solar panel sided building in North America? Private jet market. Starting to soften. Inventory is flying up. Yeah, I want to talk about like the federal budget. A couple highlights. Public sector jobs are up 420,000 since just before the pandemic. This is a better dwelling article titled Canadian real estate prices may boom as government stimulates demand. But there's another program trying to help people save up for down payments. There's already one here uh, where you can get in for 0% down. There's a ski resort for sale. And so I am going to fundraise capital. Everyone that's listening, we should all pitch in together. Elon Musk bought Twitter, $44 billion. He now has a plan to turn Twitter into a digital payment platform. When, when, when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. Yeah, man, I'd like to see that thing hang some drywall. I need some drywall work done right now, but what's going on? Not much. Let's, uh, let's, let's jump into it because we're going to introduce a little new setup for us starting this week. Yeah. We're going to start breaking the pod into two. Um, so starting in this week, we're going to do a news, so your week's news for half an hour. And then we're also going to have our topic, which will come out on Wednesdays, and that'll be the other half hour of the episode. Um, I think I found myself, when I go looking for pods, it's kind of nice to be able to get a 20 or 30 minute long episode when I go to the gym, because sometimes I want to listen to a bit of music and I want to get through the whole pod. And I found a little bit like an hour and a half long, I wasn't getting through the whole thing and then I never got back to it or the next episode came out or whatever. So we're hoping it makes it a bit more digestible and we can kind of reach a broader audience with it. Um, But anyways, we want to intro with that just so you guys know when you see it, it's not like pods are only gonna be 30 minutes now they're just gonna be broken up into a few more segments yeah and we don't know if we're gonna release them on two different days or we're gonna release yeah, them two Mo- different mondays days? on the mondays gonna be the news for the week and wednesday's gonna be the rest of the topic okay cool so, so there you go folks i don't know some of you who have hour-long commutes like neil into work actually every day <sighs> um you may miss our hour-long pod so i was sorry here about half that but for you um, that's true you were you must have left yesterday yeah <laughs> um anyways welcome to master keys podcast i'm neil andrino I'm Chandler Halbert, and this is a podcast, if you're just tuning in, somehow you discovered this randomly. Um, it, we're, it's all about real estate investing. We talk about a lot of other topics as well, but we come to it at or from the lens of real estate investing, because that's what we do. That's sort of our bread and butter. We're also licensed agents. Uh, we run a team here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Actually, we just, we didn't flex on the people, but our team just won, uh, you know, the, the top REMAX team in Nova Scotia. Yeah, we got number one, which was super sick for our, being our first year and only being a uh, half year. Yeah, yeah, we're only in business for seven months, and we were seven number months. one in, in the province and number four in Atlanta, Canada, and we had seven-twelfths of the uh, chance to do it, so. Yeah, hopefully we can do better this year. It was a slow start, I think, but I mean, mm-hmm. the market was in a very odd place. Rates were up. Uh, people were feeling the pinch from Christmas, and it just wasn't a great time to be shopping, and now I think it's kind of resumed, though. It feels like there's a pulse uh, no, out buddy, there again. We're going to talk a little about some of this stuff, but, but sales are <laughs> creeping up uh, in the States as both the sales of... New construction and existing stock have been climbing, and in some cases, it's been multiple months in a row, so things all are right, bubbling there. All right, all right, hold the phone. This guy's been an optimist about the market the whole time, and I have not been. Um, but today, we're going to go over a bunch of news. I have a million headlines here that I'm going to throw at you. I love um, it. Some interesting properties that are for sale, ski resorts, um, lake resorts. Let's go. Um, where the market's going, some low-income information. Uh, my boy Elon Musk, he's in every episode. He's just free of charge. That guy gets call-outs all the time. Are we going to preview the key player of the week? We could Speaking preview of your boys. This is Chandler's boy. Oh, don't Donald even, oh, Trump. Right. So he's, he's shouting him out this week. Um, and yeah, and then in our second half, uh, we're going to be talking about why apartments have gotten, I'm going to say shittier for lack of a better term, but on yeah. average, people feel that finished quality has gone down. Uh, and additionally, why they've shrunk in size. I feel like every apartment now slowly goes from like 500, well, probably it's like 800 to 600 to 500 to now they start with square footage, you mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I would even go, go further back than that. It used to be commonplace to see apartments being rolled out like 1,200, 1,200 square feet, like this mm-hmm. three-bedroom apartment. That's like, I can't imagine a world in which that's not three-bedroom apartment. Yeah, that's a three, <laughs> that's three apartments, not three bedrooms. I actually <laughs> literally did this exact same thing. If you've been listening for a while, you know, I'm trying to get this new construction thing off the ground. And I went back through, I was always obsessed with parking. I think you know this about me. We're talking about this in the second half. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about all this, like, why is the rent so damn high? No, like, why units are shrinking in size, shrinking in quality. We'll talk about that in the second half uh, of the pod. But um, I've got a personal anecdote with respect to that. Got to keep Chandler dialed in. Sorry. We're going to open, though. I think the first story I want to tell you, and I don't know if you already know this, but... I do. um, Guaranteed. You think you already know this? No. Okay. Where is the largest solar panel-sided building in North America. 
going largest to be. solar panel sided building in North. It's also America. a new thing that I hadn't really heard of before. I, I feel like solar panels mm. are coming back with a vengeance again with all the rebates and everything going on. But I mean, part of me thinks you'd want it somewhere close, sunny. sunny. <laughs> um, but there's two schools of thought on this. I, I, I initially thought, obviously, the closer to the equator, you get these longer days, longer sun exposure. However, like if you're far up north and there's those times of year where the sun like never sets, that could be a, a really good portion of the year where the sun is always set. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I would say something like Arizona. That's a, that's a really smart guess. Thank you, but I'm wrong. But you're wrong. The answer is actually Halifax. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Shut the door. So for again, for anyone that doesn't know, we're we're filming this from Halifax, but this. Um, all right. Whoa, whoa. I oh, don't believe this. Yeah. Give it to me again. St. Mary's University. So the university, which we had a little presentation at last week. Yep. Uh, we might actually clip that. We should just put that up there for the people. I'll talk to Bill. Bill, let us know if we can just post that online somewhere because he sent us the whole video. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah we'll we edit it a little bit. Yeah, it was a little rough. We're, oh, we're coming out of pocket on a couple things there. That maybe, <laughs> yeah. Um, Linda also was like, you wore that to your presentation? I'm like, I wore like a, not even a hoodie. <laughs> I think it's like a sweatshirt that had a zipper. But And she was surprised? That's the are, are you guys married? I don't know why I'm, she literally said afterwards, I don't know why I'm surprised. Uh, okay, I'm okay, I was going to say, why was she surprised? Um, anyways, back to the building. They are using this new fancy solar panel siding. Cool. It looks like it's like an insulated product. Solar panels on the front. It looks pretty sharp. As, I think it's a like glass, black glass, effectively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a mixture of things. It's probably a bunch of rebates that they're getting. It's a big PR move. Totally. Um, and it also seems to generate, it says 100,000 kilowatt hours per year, which should work out to, I think, in our rates, around 17, 18,000 bucks a year, which is not a so kick in the teeth. This is the largest single wall of solar panels in North America? Tallest wall. The tallest wall. And wow. I, because I, I don't, because I think this is a very expensive way to side a building. And if you're truly no out there to generate electricity, this is not the most efficient way. Because the other thing is, like, the sun's not going to hit it for extended periods of time, right? So you'd yeah. rather have it on a roof. And yeah, you normally want to angle it on a roof, right? Yeah, yeah. But I guess they, they did the math and it works out. I, I Again, I'm pretty big on the fact that there are, again, some new solar panel credits in Nova Scotia that they're probably yeah. capitalizing on. And it's a bit of a PR stunt. And it probably wasn't that much more because I feel like these panelized siding products right now are expensive and in Nova Scotia are hard to get right now. Also, when you budget for the fact that, all right, and on that side, we're going to have no openings. Right? Like, there's no windows on that side of the building, most likely. There right? is. Oh, really? Okay. Hey, this is a funky... I thought like, it'd be super like... economical and just be like, just put that side, all that. Yeah. You know. it, it shows... I think they're doing it over the concrete. Like, it's like... I, that's the other thing. I don't oh, know... Oh, it's that... on an existing structure? Yes. Sorry. They're re- re- oh, retrofitting an existing structure. That's probably Loyola or... Um... Loyola building. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I think to consider, I was like, the second they said that, I was like, how's that going to work for... Like, an actual siding has to keep the rain and shit out. Mm-hmm. I feel and like this product is probably not going to be it's probably gonna watertight. Float. They're going to they're It's going to float and go yeah. over like a concrete that's already there, so yeah, it yeah. doesn't have to be like watertight or anything like that. It is a tall building. Is it? Yeah. It's that it's one like in the a, middle? It's a residence. By the no, it's behind the football, football field. Football field? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's at the back. I Anyways. remember people just used to walk around in sweatpants and wearing lanyards. Like, that's how you knew they lived in res at Loyola, because you could get to all the other buildings. Was just, that you, Chandler? No, I lived off campus, um, but I was like, man, I need to get lanyard. I think I've seen you with the lanyard hanging under your sweatshirt a few times. It's a good look. <laughs> good luck. Uh, well, that's cool. Good good for St. Mary's, man. And again, we did a, a talk there the other day uh, with uh, some students for... Uh, it was Economics for Engineers was the course, which you actually took once upon a time. Yeah, Engineering Economics didn't teach me a whole heck of a lot, but uh, it was a good high-level course. I remember the prof in that class. He did a very... I'm sure a bunch of you guys uh, have dealt with this on testing, but you get two points for getting the answer right. But if you guess on a multiple choice, you get negative one point. How do you know you guess? And How can you tell if you guessed? By getting it wrong. So basically, what? this oh. is... Oh, so, so basically the blank? Yes. Ooh, so it's, spicy. it's two right, at all. zero blank, negative one wrong, which is really was hmm. stupid to me. And he made the whole test like 50 or 100 multiple choice questions. The average ended up coming out at like 38%. Like it just slaughtered people because... Like, like, there's people who genuinely were, like, trying to answer the question. They're like, this is the number that I... The other thing is, he didn't make it, like, obvious. Like, he put the, like, rounding... Like, the errors that you would commonly make on the on yeah, those yeah. options. Where it's like, I know that a lot of people will forget to square the last part of the equation. Yeah. And so the answer Damn, is, is 12 instead of 144. And so they'd circle 12, thinking that they're correct. And that's like, he's like, bam, negative one. Thanks for playing. So, Ooh. 
yeah, that was uh, that Man, was an interesting course. That sucker's just in the negative. <laughs> what you get on your test? The university's hilarious that seven. the profs can just like freelance and come up with whatever. That's the one thing that like public school they have some like systems they have to follow. Whereas like university, he's like, so I made the whole test one question. Oh man, also, you get it like, right and you pass your whole degree. You I was get it wrong and courses, I send you to jail. Yeah, I was definitely in courses where they use the same exam every year and people be like, "Yo, this is yeah, the yeah, exam yeah, from yeah, last yeah, year." Yeah, yeah. It's like, "Oh, sweet, there's all the answers to that right there." I remember there being guys that worked in the printer room and they'd get it like 24 hours before you had to go write your exam. You're like, "You need these four questions." I'm like, "How, how do you know that?" And like, "Just trust me, I, I got man, a guy." The boys had a guy who was the TA for a particular economics That's course, sick. and it didn't matter what answer you put. You were coming back with a 91-ish? <laughs> That's Straight sick. up. And because it was sick. multiple choice. It's like, boop, 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 boop. Okay, since we're down this path, I have one last story to tell. What's about the statute this stuff? of limitations on these? Yeah, I know. That's what I was just thinking. I'm like, Dallas going to call me and be like, we want your degree back. I have the last one I, I have well, to Well, I didn't partake. So I was in, I forget what course it was. Yeah, exactly. I never did any of this. And I this did is, not inhale. Let's... <laughs> I'm just going to pretend someone else had this book, but I bought a book. Like I started, First year, I bought all the textbooks. Went to the, the bookstore, bought all the textbooks. They hosed me for thousands of dollars, touched all of like one of them, yeah, learned my lesson. Put a new edition out the next year. Moving forward, then I'd either download, download them off the internet or... That was not an option for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, or I would buy them off Kijiji or Facebook yeah. Marketplace, whatever. Anyways, um, I bought this book for a very difficult course we had. I think it was like mechanics or something. And I bought it off Kijiji for hundred bucks, whatever. And then I found out there was a downloadable copy, and I was kind of like, "Ah, oh, shit! I spent a bunch of money for no reason, whatever." But it was you could bring the book in person, so then people end up having to go out and buy it. So I felt pretty good, whatever. We get into our first pop quiz. This prof does pop quizzes every second week, and they're pretty difficult questions. Mm-hmm. And but you were allowed to use your book, and so let's say it was like something to do with fluids. I would flip to the fluid section, and I'd be flipping through the pages, and then in the in the in the boundaries of the page there would always be like little notes and writing oh someone would put the word and i in. remember i flipped it open one time and the drawing that was in the little note side was the same drawing that was on my quiz oh and i was like reading it and it was just like it showed the exact equation how it was modified the whole works and i like took it over banged off the quiz and like submitted it and everyone's like how the fuck did you do that so quick? And I was just like, big, <laughs> yeah, yeah, big, yeah, you gotta look in the book. You gotta look, yeah, you look it in your book. Oh, it's in the bad. margins, bro. And then literally every quiz for the whole entire semester was in there. I remember, I think one wasn't, and I was like, oh, f-. I was like freaking out. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, you're turning page. <laughs> Where is it? Where is it? I went, I went through the whole book looking for it. But anyways, that's my last university story. Please, Dal, don't take back my degree. Um, that's so good. Do you want to hit me with a news headline, or do you want me to hit you one with... Yeah, hit me with one more, and I'll, I'll bust out mine here as well. Okay. This one is something I've made mention of before on here. It's about private jets. So I think private jets are sick for a ton of reasons, not just for the flex, but I honestly think it's a cool way to be able to travel on your own terms, go direct to wherever you're going. And I feel like that resonates for people in smaller communities like us here in Halifax, where we have to leave here at 6 a.m. to go to Toronto to catch the 7 or 8 a.m. flight to wherever the hell else we're going. So I've like got an obsession now with having the ability to go places. I've also come to realize that I'm probably going to be too poor for a private jet for a long-ass time. So I'm getting my pilot's <laughs> license so I can fly a tiny little plane up to Toronto myself. So nice. Um, anyways, I think I may have mentioned this earlier, but I was expecting it, is that the private jet market, the toy market, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Starting is, inventory is flying up. During no the pandemic, private jets went ballistic because a ton of people were like, yeah, I was kind of on the fence about it, but now that air travel is such a mess with COVID and I don't really want to get COVID. And I'm now that I'm making private. so much money hand over fist. And now that I'm making money, so much money hand over fist, and you can get a 25-year finance on a plane at 2.5%. You could, you could find a million-dollar plane for like four or five grand a month. It was crazy. You could literally go out and buy a beautiful private jet for like $10,000, $15,000 a month. So it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, everyone was buying them. And then because demand was through the roof, You'd throw it out to one of these leasing agencies, and they'd run it for you. Yeah. And you were like, "Man, I'm the like you saw how many YouTubers you see? They're like, I'm the man. I own a private jet. I don't even pay for the thing. How I make money flying private? Like, I don't know how many YouTube videos yep. I watched that said that. And they're like, bro, you just go online. You can buy a private jet from anywhere in the world because it's a fucking jet. They'll just fly it back to you. You just buy it, and you can yeah. immediately look up the monthly payment, and you can look up the lease rate. You can call the leasing company and say how many hours a month do you think you'll lease this for, and you just knew your numbers. Easy peasy, you bought them. Well, guess what? Now, money's tight. Not, oh, yeah. ev- not everybody's balling out of their minds anymore. Even if they're rich, they're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to necessarily fly private four times a month. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like they're starting to be a little cautious. And so now the jet volume's going down. And if people are on variable payments or Ooh, things yep. like that. Jet's getting a little pricey. The jet's getting a What's little the market for the second hand uh, jet. A little pricey. So, anyways, inventories in the last in this first quarter of the year have doubled. Worldwide inventories have doubled. Um and it's it's basically citing that. But I thought this was kind of interesting is that when someone goes to sell, like on average, people who sell private jets want to do so privately. Because part of owning a private jet is you have to have a pilot. Mm-hmm. And the second your pilot finds out you're selling your jet, <clears throat> your boy's totally. going to find a new job. Oh, and then yeah. not only do you not can't afford to fly your jet, even if you wanted to fly you your jet. You don't have a pilot to fly it. You don't have a pilot to fly your damn jet. Um, so anyways, Crazy. I'm just saying that because, again, these are kind of, I think, indicators of like what's to come on a less, I'll say leverage market. I feel like there's a lot of people like this, this, these jets that are coming up, I think were people who were overextending themselves and just squeaking into jets and now they're putting them back up. This is not the billionaires who yeah, will yeah. pay cash for a G650. Um, but one thing that also stuck out to me is, what do you think a private jet pilot makes? Like for a Gulfstream G650, which is the nicest know. one. There's $70 million. 200000 350 Ooh, that's not USDs. Bad. And they're probably not flying every day. That's what, that's, it says... They want quality of life and a strong income to be a private jet pilot. Yeah, I'm no like, kidding. This guy's like, I fly four times a month. And it's like from Cal- California to like Florida. Like I, yeah, with celebrities. Yeah, with celebrities. Or rich people. Just I, I go terrible. from Lake Tahoe to LA to Hawaii. I just do that round trip every month. Man. Um, that's not a bad gig. Yeah. Anyways, that... Uh, that's what you can do when you get your license. You can really level up. Exactly. I'm going to fly people around on my Cessna. You'd be like that... Uh, it's like a tinfoil plane. Like that guy that shows up in the limo to impress people and then like has to put the hat on and then drive the limo away. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is. Like, yo, yo, hop in here. All right, just get yourself in the back and I'll be up front here <laughs> while I drive you home. <laughs> Taking off. Uh, well, man, all my news is like way less sexy than that. Um, I got a lot of fun news this week. Yeah, I want to talk about like the federal budget. So um, oh. Liberals Canada, they rolled out the federal budget. A couple highlights. Uh, it's just... It's a tiny little thing, only four hundred ninety-seven billion. Uh, so real, really yeah. keeping it tight. Kind of, kind of reeled in. They're gonna run a deficit of forty-one billion. Okay. And um, this budget is essentially projecting sixty-seven billion more over the next six years than previously sort of planned. Uh, there's gonna be some credits out there for things like groceries, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but one thing I saw this stat that just made me want to throw up in my friggin' mouth. So did you know this? Public sector jobs are up four hundred and twenty thousand since just before the pandemic. And they account for 51% of all jobs created in Canada over that time. So if you're not familiar, like public sector, that's government level jobs account for 51% of all jobs since the pandemic. And there's $420,000 more of them. So all of this spending, I don't care whatever they talk about. Oh, we're going to do a cut here. We're going to do this there. Man, they just are gluttonous on their own self-preservation. And you know I've talked about this a lot before. This is what governments do, man. They tax you. You feel dead broke. Then they convince you you need just more government, and the government will then bail you out. So they take your own money and then give you a tiny fraction of it back. Because if they take a dollar from you, then like, okay, we need to give you 20 cents back, and we need to pay someone 20 cents to do the work of giving it back. right? So you get literally cents on the dollar for all this tax money and these supposed rebates they, they give back and this like there's some stuff in there like I mentioned for gro- groceries there's some thought about you know a bunch of different housing initiatives and and all these things that they're trying to do we're going to get to one of those in a second as well because that's my other sort of headline there but it's just well, spend 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 again man yeah well i mean to be expected the one the only one thing i find kind of weird is how they misproject every country does this i feel like and every projection of every budget ever is wrong and I don't understand how because you have like probably 50 people on it. They probably spend $10 million doing the budget and then it's off by like 20% every friggin' time, which I understand. I guess you can't, you can't well, predict all more, the factors that go into th- it. There's a helicopter flying by, which is very cool. If you're watching the video right now, there's a, a yeah, large yeah. helicopter going by. Um, but, oh, wow, it's right at our height too. Um, anyways, that that's one thing. Second thing I'm going to add is... Just to put that in perspective, that's almost like 1.5% of the population received a government job, a new government job, during the pandemic, when you look at it like that. Damn. 
Holy man. Yeah. That's a shitload. Well, yeah, it's 1% of the population. At least one. What yeah. are we at? 35? Are we even 40? We're at 40 million. We're are we? Okay, so it's 1% of the population. Shade population. under 40 million. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, 1% of the population. 1% got a new government job. Which is since insane. Since the pandemic. And then... Man. The next thing I want to add is... I mean, again, this is where Canada is kind of headed. But it's like... How, the whole economy is basically predicated on, like... More people? More people. Yeah. But our government and real estate... Yeah, are such a major thing. The resources, again, we don't like. Yes, we do lots of stuff with our resources, and we have a ton, but we don't do them at the ratio that we really need to be to actually become profitable. But more so, what I'm getting at is that real estate is so incredibly, um, uh, like it's so incredibly tied to the value of our currency because that's the only way they can get people to bring money here, and like why people want to come here. Like it's yeah, like I mean, obviously, it's a very safe place to live, which is bringing a lot of people here, but. Everyone in like buy like they buy Canadian dollars to buy real estate. Like that's what else are they buying here? Yeah, um, they're not starting man, businesses here. I'm still just blown away by that stat. And let's be honest, public sector jobs, they pay well. They can sometimes be a little cushy. No disrespect to people out there in public sector. Get it how you get it. But and some of them are very very difficult. But there's often a lot of meat on the bones of those jobs. And that many, if 51 percent. Of the jobs that that happened in the last three years, were public sector. That means fifty one percent of the jobs that came out were um, higher than average paying, higher than average benefits, higher than average job security. No wonder it's so damn hard to hire anyone for anything else. Can you imagine trying to hire people and being like, "Well, I either can take this job or this public sector job." Because yeah, half the jobs are public sector, and they pay. They're so hard good. to beat, man. They pay so good, and like you said, they're also so resilient. You're not like. Well, I wonder if they're going to go out of business. No. Like that's, those are jobs for life. I'm set for is, life, pension. They're not cutting any of those jobs. You notice that in the budget. All this, you can, oh my God, we're, we're going to cut all these jobs? No, not going to happen. They literally just hired 1% of the population. Man, on a side note, this is not necessarily directly relating this to this, but I saw a video was sent to me and it was someone's like dialogue of their work career. And they're like, I started a job at this company and the division that I was in got shut down, but during a merger of another company buying us, and so nobody recognized that I was still in the division because my boss got fired. And so I was just on payroll and I got carried over to the new the new company. So I just literally had nothing in my role. But I'd show up every day. I'd say hi to everybody. I'd talk to them all in the lunchroom. I'd bring coffees on Mondays. I'd bring donuts on Fridays. Yeah, like, this guy's and getting stuff done. <laughs> no, nobody once noticed it. And everyone loved him. And then he said, finally, the company uh, was being taken public or sold again. And he's like... I figured this time that they're going to start looking into the books. So he said, I finally started looking for like a real job. Um, and he said, I applied to a job and I asked the person in charge, my boss, who I've never actually met or done any work for, for a review. And he said, they gave me a glowing like 10 out of 10 review, even though he's like, I've never done a single task for this guy. And then applied and got the job at another place and moved on. But I was dying. He's like, I was in like limbo for years. Just someone said it to me on Instagram. I was, uh, that's just makes me feel like this where it's like, you can't. Yeah. You just get mixed into the stir. But again, like you said, there's lots of government jobs that take a ton of work. Totally. super hard. I'm not discrediting them at all, but it is intense how many people they employ. But I think that's part of their, that's kind of their mandate. But I'm, in my head, all I don't I think know about their is, mandate is to employ people for no reason. Their mandate is to well, spend our tax dollars in the most efficient, well, well, most productive way ever. And well, that's, what's the long play for Canada? This is where you got to look at. Like, what is their play for Canada? Because they're also making it very difficult to do regular business here. And and why well, would you? Well, what, what you're getting at is the fact that like they're screwing everything up, which is 100 percent right. Well, are they, or what's their game? What is their game? Socialism is their game, man. Well, this, but see, which uh, it's not for me. It's not for me necessarily. Maybe it is to an extent, but not the way they're doing it. But is that their play? And are they doing it the right way? Like, are they feeding into this to become the right thing? I like, guess like if this is what they want, which is like they keep a place really safe. They yeah. keep implementing more and more rules. Yeah, and they make it a really safe country. Then there's people that are gonna be like, I, I don't want to live in places where people are gonna get stabbed. I say that, but literally, I walked into the no, studio. We're not today getting safer at all. And we're talking about Toronto people getting stabbed every single day. Yeah. Um, well, they're trying to make it safer. The problem is, as your population grows, it's very difficult to do so. And I, we were talking about, but if you're immigrating from another country where you're used to a certain level of potentially violence or intensity, it's gonna be difficult to maybe lose that lifestyle when you come here. Um, but like, is that the play where they're gonna get to the point where a ton of rules? Everyone, like you said, is equally poor. You've said that yourself. A lot of people work for the government. A lot of people are on basic uh, income, like a, a guaranteed income every month. And then you have a small division of entrepreneurs and people that create housing and stuff getting like that. Getting smaller and smaller. Which is getting smaller yeah. and smaller. And you kind of squeeze out that 
Man, is that is that the is that the where they're going with it? Yeah, it, uh, it I, I don't know. But, like but things all are changing things, pretty quickly. All these rules. things are also like adding to the inflationary pressure. Like you can't just spend all this extra money. And I don't understand how they don't realize what they're doing. Like, but all these things are going to be like, we're going to spend more. What? Are they, are those jobs going to add to inflationary pressure? Because if you're making, like you said, 70, 80 or a hundred thousand dollars a year, you're just paying your bills. So there's really no extra sauce. Oh man. If the reason, well, it's a chicken and the egg situation. If everyone makes a hundred thousand dollars a year, then yeah, that starts to not be able to pay the bills. Right. And they just gave, I mean, of those 400 plus thousand people, 1% of the population that just got new public sector jobs. I think it's pretty safe to assume their average is significantly over $100,000 a year. You think? Yeah. They have a sunshine list. Have you ever looked at that? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, that's true, because I guess there would be a pretty wide gamut there, but I, I, it's pretty pretty close. I, I Yeah, I, close. I, think, I think the average job now for the government is probably around 80-something, if I had to guess. And I'm like, like you said, are they just keeping you at that level where you can pay your bills? Yeah, and are thankful to the government that gave you the job and, you know, don't want to rock the boat, because, oh, gosh, you know, a change in government means, like, maybe my position comes up and gets a little bit... You know, precarious, blah, blah, blah. But mm -hmm. all of this stuff, like you printing all this extra money, there's just no way that that can't, you know, cause inflation, right? Like this, this is more money being put back out. And this is the thing, they give and they take. So on one hand, it's going to be like, hey, we're going to claw back on the serve, but then we're going to print all this money over here. We're going to do this. And it's just, it's it's a pretty aggressive spending plan for the next five years, quite significantly more than what was supposedly coming down the pipe. How is that going to create a scenario where pricing goes down, which is supposedly what we all want. Um, and then there's also this combination of the fact that um, because 1% of the population was given a government job, we had no one to work a bunch of other jobs and we brought in a bunch of people. Um, I think it was like a million people last year because half of them were temporary uh, and, and students and the other half are, you know, PRs. Um, and we have this inflation, man, like it's just going crazy. So you've been the one that says like at some point they're going to have to revisit this idea of the you know I, immigration but well i mean i i think that a better way of handling it that doesn't cause as much inflation is doing it through an employment-based system and also doing a certain amount versus handing people dough because then you had people doing like cash jobs on the side plus getting the money and they were spending recklessly and people are way more apt to spend money that they didn't really have to work for versus if they're going to a nine to five which i guess government jobs a lot of them are from home now permanently um but yeah i'm just over here kind of really like what's the play the other thing that kind of sucks i'm like those 400,000 people, you may have sucked up a bunch of people that may have started other businesses that would benefit us. And or fill really... the other jobs that were like, oh, we can't fill these jobs. Like, do we really need 400,000 well, more public sector? To run the government? You know? Probably like, not. I mean, now those would also include hopefully doctors and nurses and teachers and all these things. Like, because um, those are public sector also, but. It's transit man. public sector? Uh, it's municipal, so yeah. Would that be considered qualifying that maybe? Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, it's just a lot of spending at a time where it's like, wait, I thought we were supposed to try to put less money into the economy to slow things down, and there's no signs of that whatsoever. So you've got this double-sided I guess, you know, I mean, situation. the alternative that they usually do, and I think the states did a lot, is you spend the money on infrastructure, mm -hmm. and then people with private sector companies can land the infrastructure projects, which I like because then you ultimately, like, it results in having a really nice infrastructure and, like, kind of aiding in the growth of the city. Um whereas this doesn't really allow that. I guess the concern with putting in infrastructure is big companies, especially in Canada, I find it's a lot less competitive. Like here, it's like any road contract, there's one or two companies that are going to get all of it. Yeah. And they're making billions per year. Yeah. In a, in a city where there's only like three billionaires and there's families pulling in billions and billions off yeah. the government. So I, I don't know what the play is. But anyways, interesting. Uh, well, it's also been interesting two years from now when the foreign ban buyer ban is lifted, all of these people that just got these government jobs, you know, two households income with, you know, public sector job, that's a couple hundred thousand a year. If they get the interest rate down and they're bringing all these people, my God, you can have this perfect storm where a bunch of people have really pretty good jobs. There's a bunch of people who just got the right to buy property and the rate goes down. Like the market could go psycho again. So Something to consider. And with that being said, the government, this is a better dwelling article. I'm sure they've seen us a lot of times because we read a lot of their stuff. They're actually a good resource for, yeah, fantastic. for real estate news. Um, and this one's titled, Canadian Real Estate Prices May Boom as Government Stimulates Demand. St stimulates Demand how? Well, so there's the foreign buyer ban that's being removed. Well, being softened. No, sorry, sorry, not yeah, removed. Yeah, yeah, softened, yeah. exactly. Uh, so that was, a, that was a big one. And then also the bond rates are coming down, which they are a big yep. contributor to that. Um, and so a five-year fixed rate 
has gone down for the second month in a row now, um, even though overall costs have exploded, those two things will have a huge uh, impact. I think the five-year fix is really clever in a lot of ways because there's going to be a ton of people on variable that can save themselves now by going in and yep. taking a five-year fixed rate. And for an economy, that's a really strong thing to, even though, yes, your, your you don't people need carry to debt. You take a five-year, right? Like yeah. you're going to be baited into it. Like for the first time in a while, like all the longer products are have lower rates than the shorter yeah. products, which is not usually the On case. average, they're going to push you for a long, the longest term, like the four or fives. And the reason being is it gives them a lot of strength and understanding that people could service their debt for an extended period of time. That's yeah. why they're saying the states are in really good shape, right? Because the states offer 30-year, 10, 20, 30-year fixed rate mortgages. Like the entire mortgage is one singular rate. And so you know when you buy the home, like I can service $1,400 for the next 30 years and you don't have to stress about it going up or down. And so people have said USA is a lot more resilient to what's going on because 99% of their debt is at a lower fixed rate term than what it is right now. Um, and so I think Canada's trying to make a bit of a correction here and force people into those longer-term rates so that we have a bit of stability. We have a bit of stability yeah. as a market. I think also the banks are like, okay, 24 months from now, the rates are going to be lower. So wouldn't it be great if we locked someone in for five years? I think there's a bit of that. I too. definitely think that plays into it. I think this is a, a more of a, a larger economic play, though, at the end of the day, because the banks can't can only fundraise capital uh, at a certain rate themselves. So they, yeah. they, they don't have the power. They can't give the money out lower than what they're getting from BOC if they're not able to find money somewhere else, yeah. right? Um, so anyways, just, uh, just threw that out there because it was an interesting headline. And I think we'll transition into some of this stuff here and why. We'll go back to real estate because we were talking about the governments there for a bit. Um, but that was something I saw that was interesting and it feels like everything's coming back. It's funny that for Christmas time and January, everyone was like, the market's going to shit. And now everyone's talking about it going back up. I'm still on the fact of like, I don't know. I'm like very half and half, but it seems that the Canadian government is showing that we are too dependent on real estate for them to let it fail. Well, that's 100% the case. Um, and they're rolling out that this is probably something else. First, I think it's first home something, something. There's another first home thing out there. It might be in that article. But there's another program trying to help people save up for down payments. We've talked a little bit about these programs. There's already one here uh, where you can get in for 0% down, which can be a good program for a lot of reasons. Um you know, can also, it's, it's maybe not ideal if you have other options, but it, it could be a good program for you. Now there's one that's similar to like a tax-free savings account, but it's for the down payment on your house where you can put $8,000 a year into this um, for a total of upwards of 40000 bucks. So in theory, you could do this for five years and at the end of it have $40,000 uh, growing that was tax-free. So the idea of this is to help people buy houses, which is somewhat ironic because again, if it stimulates more demand. But in that case, I honestly think that one is a headline and nothing more because people being able to like, like think what's, what's the average home in, in the country right now? 700, seven or something, right? So the $40,000 will eventually get you a 5% down payment, but it would take you five years to save that up tax-free. So is that really going to move the needle? Like how much are those homes going to be up five years from now? Like I don't know that it really is going to have a big impact um, on on a buyer's ability. There's going to be a couple of people out there like, oh, this is cool. Like, I was going to save for it anyway, and like, I'll throw eight grand in there. Or like, oh, my parents were going to give me help money. It'll help smaller markets. Like, it'll help Calgary. It'll help Halifax. It'll help New Brunswick, PEI, Newfoundland. Like, those markets. Because yeah. we get skewed. Again, like, BC, Ontario are psychotic. Their averages are like a million and a half, million eight, like something stupid. And they yeah. have a bazillion homes. But when we talked about last week, like, average house in Calgary was what, 525? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, so those people would need twenty five grand down, but you know, they might take a few years to get to that. It's, it's a little help, but it's I don't know that that necessarily makes the houses more affordable. It makes people bet more able to buy them. Do you know that what I'm saying about the difference there? Like I don't yeah. know if it necessarily No, it doesn't change anything with affordability. It yeah. just allows you to get in there a little bit sooner, hopefully, or with a little less damage along the way. But it's also this all feeds back to the concept of like they put out all these programs because they want to keep funneling the money into in real estate, into yeah. housing, and they want to keep that market alive. Yeah. So it's but, like they can't decide what they want to do, so they're doing half measures all around. And the one thing they know they're sure of is, like, let's just spend more on more government and more, you know, public spending. Um, and it makes a lot of people happy, but there's this problem that we all seem to have is, like, short-term gratification at the expense of longer-term strife. All right. So I'm going to talk about something more fun. Yeah, I was going to say. More close was, to my heart. 
that and that depressing. is there's a ski resort for sale. And so I am going to fundraise capital. Everyone that's listening, we should all pitch in together. Well, fresh pow pow, where is it? It's literally called the Powder King Mountain Resort. Powder King Mountain Resort. Northern BC. It comes with a lake resort as well. The Powder King? Like, that's a little suspect. That like, is what goes so on to this resort? I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking it. <laughs> um, 900 acres? Jesus. Knocked something over here. I think it was um, headphones. How many acres? 900. Oh, nice little 37 hill. runs. Ooh. Three lifts. Nice little hill. This would be a, this is a mountain, bro. This is BC. Yeah, I've never uh, heard of this place. Lake Resort sits on another 340 acres, five duplex cabins, two A-frames, and four extended stay cabins, and 25 campsites. That's not a lot of... You also get a gas right? station, a convenience store, and a cafe. There's a sandy beach on the lake, a boat launch, and a dock. Man, how much is this thing? $8.2 million. That seems very reasonable. Does that not seem very reasonable? How many pergolas? <laughs> doesn't have pergolas listed Just on here. all... all Oh, it also comes with a 50-room hostel. I was going to say, that's not a lot of A dining room and a lodge. This is a pretty good deal. This is sick. On-site staff accommodations, a master plan for expansion. Oh, man. That's hot. Anybody anybody out there want to buy... Yeah, where are people in BC that want to do a... Powder King Mountain Resort. Let me take a look on the map here where we're going with this. Little joint venture. It's, it's going to be like so far north. Uh, Powder King. 8.2, though. That's not a bad deal. Probably Dude. hard to finance something like that. Yeah, I, these are these kind of projects where I feel like you have to like get private financing yeah, yeah. established and you got to fundraise capital. Yeah. So I'll get a little distance from Vancouver here real quick. Man, that's crazy that you can get all that for that price. It sounds epic. I think here's the number one problem. Bank- yeah, okay. How far do you think it is from Vancouver? Oh, God. I don't know. Five hours. Twelve hours. Twelve hours. Ooh. So I think this is the struggle is trying to drag people out there. I think the, the so play is you go super isolated. luxury, you build your own landing pad. To your point, man, build it, build your own landing strip, do a high end gated community. We talked about this, I think, on another episode of something. I can't remember who I was talking about this, but like you can put like little, you know, helicopter pads, fly people right to the top of the mountain, do that whole gig. That's what they do in Revelstoke. Yeah, it'd be sick. It's it's pretty dope. That's probably the play there. But again, you're you're up there. Twelve hours, even on a little plane, that's going to be a two-hour flight from Vancouver. That's a well to hang with the Powder King. <laughs> um, pretty good. Anyways, I want to throw that out there because I saw it. You guys may have seen it. It's been up for a few weeks now, at least. Actually, maybe like more. Uh, but that would be a super cool investment. I feel like that would be a fun project to just like sink yourself into. The worst part about all these things, it's like, well, it's eight million dollars. Like. There's probably a ton of people out there that would do an amazing job running it, would live up there for their whole life and have the best time doing it. But yeah. just do we have no financial ability to get into that? 99% of people would have no ability to get into that. And the, yeah. banks, oh. and the banks will not help them out. It's going to have to be someone that's an investor that's going to go in on it. Yeah, and it's probably going to be someone, like something international where they do these sort of resorts all around the world, right? Uh, but it's a pretty cool play. Um, yeah. They probably have trouble staffing it. I would imagine. 12 hours north of Vancouver. A little chilly. Yeah. Seasonal. That's a hard <laughs> thing to stop. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to do our key player, and then we're going to do our topic. Okay. Okay. Unless you had more news. I have a few I more mean, articles, I, but I think I want to hold them for the next All time. my stuff is hella depressing. Okay, fine. I'll give you the last one, because I mentioned that I'm going to talk about your boy. My boy. Yes. Elon Musk. Okay. Twitter. Lots of big headlines of there. Yeah. Have you heard of these two guys there? Well, not two guys. This, this company and this man. No, this okay. company and this man, you got to be a little more specific. So Elon Musk bought Twitter, $44 billion. Of course, it's gone to shit since he got there. Everyone's beefing because he laid everybody off. Now it's worth $20 billion. He basically halved his investment pretty damn quickly. Um, anyways, he now has a plan, and he has announced this to all the Twitter employees, to turn Twitter into a digital payment platform. And mm. now he has, like, he is the man behind PayPal. So never forget. So You've always been there before. But I don't understand his usage of like why Twitter would be the basis for this. But he plans to turn Twitter into a place where you can like pay people instantly, and then you can yeah. also make deposits and get paid interest on your deposits. I think the angle there should be something like so everything's behind a paywall. A lot of like a lot of media is behind a paywall now, right? Yeah. And a lot of media teases their content through Twitter, right? So you see something on Twitter like oh this looks kind of interesting. You click on it and you're like ah oh, freak there's a paywall here. Imagine if you could pay through Twitter to get past paywalls. Would That'd you pay? I've been getting really annoyed with paywalls on news articles. Yeah. So do you think it could be could be like pay ten cents and you open this yeah, thing totally. and you just auto do it, or yeah. do you think it'd be like you get a Twitter subscription, which then Ooh. ultimately 
gives you access to like 50 news websites. Ooh, that's kind of interesting. And then just like Spotify or Apple Music, the, the news websites get paid by how much yeah, they yeah, get people yeah. view their things. And then you make really good articles. If this wasn't his idea, we just gave him a pretty damn yeah, good like, idea. Yeah, this is a sick idea. I think... Tag him. Fuck. At Elon Musk. Yeah. I want like 25% royalties on this bad boy right now. Let's yeah. go. Um, he says it's going to turn Twitter from $20 billion to $250 billion. He says he's going to 10x the business through this. Maybe that's what he's going to do. That's definitely going to be a new business is, is oh. this news... They might already have it, to be honest with you, like news multi-subscription. I feel like that's not a very, like, Oh, there must be for sure, but, idea. like, pe- people want it right in front of me, like, hey, how can I get it? Where is it on my phone? Like, I don't mm. want to have to go to a website and log in. Like, no, no, just, like, it's on my phone. It's already linked to my login. So my Twitter login account, um, which He's is synced up. You turn Twitter into WeChat. What's, uh, what is that? I don't know. What's WeChat? WeChat, I, wow, I'm definitely going to get corrected on this, but WeChat is a messaging platform that's primarily used in, China. in the Asian countries, yeah, yeah. China. And it's literally where you do everything. Like you do your chat, you have your money there, you access your news there, you order your food on there, you order your taxis on there. It's your one-stop shop for everything. Yeah, that would make sense for him to try to turn Twitter into that. Think that's where he's going? I mean, if not, like we literally just gave him a great idea because that's exactly what they should do. Think Elon listens? Yeah, he's a big fan of the pod. He's a ghost follower. <laughs> like he doesn't subscribe. <laughs> I, I saw him like one of our posts Dick. one time. He doesn't subscribe. <laughs> um, no, that's crazy. But uh, speaking right. of like evil geniuses, we're gonna go. This is a, a tongue-in-cheek, ironic key player Uh-oh. of the week. Your boy. Don't say my boy. I okay. I said he's done some cool stuff, and he thinks about. I think there's things that he did that made a lot of sense, and I think a lot of people would agree with that. But I think he's a racist bigot at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gonna get into Donald Trump here in a sec. I think we have the same hairline. That same floofy fluff thing that flies in the wind. <laughs> this one, yeah, get. Imagine Neil just starts growing up the neck here. We're in just. I just bring. I probably bring it from like my chest. I'll pull it up from my chest <laughs> all the way up and over. Wow, <laughs> just tuck it under your armpits and bring it from behind so they can't see it. They can't see yeah, it coming up come the neck. You just gotta bend the armpits. Man, I had to tweeze. I'm starting to have to tweeze this down because. Are it's we still con- recording? Yes, you're getting it's, really it's, personal it's connecting. here. Connecting my beard's connecting to my chest hair. Yeah, you'll have nothing from... You'll just be one solid line from your hair to the tip of your toes. <laughs> <laughs> well, one none on the top of my head. There'll be none yeah. of the very shiny That's spot That's a cruel irony. It's like, why is the one hairline on the entire body <laughs> that I want to keep? Receding, the one that I want. All the other hairlinings are just like uniting like a force. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to get into Anyways, some Donald Moving Trump on here. from my hair. Yeah, your boy Donald Trump. I, I mean... This is again, like I said, this is kind of tongue in cheek, but he's in the news right now because he got indicted or indicated, as he said, which is, is pretty funny. And I don't know how you feel about the indictment. I think it's kind of beating a dead horse. Like it was a long time ago. It was some money thrown at a porn star. I think they're getting him on. Uh, I don't want to say a technicality. It's kind of like he maybe did a bunch of terrible, terrible stuff, um, and then, uh, but he's getting charged with something that maybe isn't weren't for getting charged. Anyway, I don't care one way or the other. Whatever. Um, but I thought it was kind of interesting to summarize some of the stuff like, so it all starts with his dad, Fred Trump, who was like a home builder and then got into like military barracks and single family homes on like the periphery, like older boroughs of New York. And then slowly got into like housing complexes, like big New York style housing complexes. And they got in a lot of trouble because I think they're found to be like racially discriminating in, in their housing projects in like the seventies and eighties. Um, but the craziest thing, and this is the only real story that I found somewhat interesting that I, I wanted to highlight for people, and I got to bring it up here, but they were amazing at dodging taxes. Um, and so there was all this stuff between Donald Trump, which is the Trump that we all know, and his siblings, and how they were trying to get all the money from Fred Trump down to the kids with as little tax implications as possible. So check out this. In 1997... They got, the kids got something like, I don't know how many properties it was, a bunch of properties from Fred. And they valued it at the time because you were allowed to sort of self-assess for, you know, tax purposes. Mm -hmm. They valued it at 41.4 million in 1997. Mm -hmm. The kids then waited seven years and sold it in 2004. Guess how much for? 236 million. More. 400 million. More. A billion dollars? Shade under. Um, 737.9 million. So they made 18 a six, X. 16 times return 16 in times. seven years, which obviously got a lot of people scratching their head like, hmm, maybe they undervalued those when they got them effectively as a gift from 
Fred Trump to Donald Trump and the siblings, and there should have been a massive um, tax implication on that. Well, so, don't worry. CRA and IRS have hired in-house appraisers, and they are starting to handle that. Well, so the New York Times did this expose. It said that um, uh, it's something like the, the Fred and Mary, which, is, again, is Donald's parents, gave the kids a total of over a billion dollars, which should have been taxed at a rate of 55% for gift and inheritance, which would have been a $550 million tax bill. Uh, but they only ended up paying... Um, fifty-five point or fifty-two point two million dollars. To say how? Um, Asking for a friend through things <laughs> <laughs> through things like this, like giving these gifted properties at, at significantly reduced rates. That, that's going on a lot. I um. So, anyways, keep playing. Donald yeah, so Trump. Let me know if you want to come on. Let us know if you want to come on. We'd be happy to have you on here. Yeah, you can um, tell me your secret to your hair. And that's a pretty crazy real estate related story. Uh, and then, of course, he got he went from there into getting into commercial spaces, Trump Tower being the main one, but he also redid a hotel. Then he got into uh, some casinos with a little bit less success. Mar-a-Lago was one of his early, you know, big, high, you know, expensive, over the top projects, which he still lives there uh, to this day. As um, per paperwork, maybe not necessarily in real life. True. Um, and then, of course, all of his side projects from Trump University to Stakes to uh, what's the what's the show that he was on? Trump uh, Airline. He had um, what's the one you're fired? Um, the Apprentice. Apprentice brought him back into the uh, you know uh, the limelight, if you will, and then became president and all the stuff. But it all started with some pretty amazing estate planning by the the Trump family to to avoid some tax. Surprisingly, it wasn't a couple duplex flips in Dartmouth. It was there. not a couple <laughs> duplex refis uh, that uh, got him rolling. Um. I don't know. He's done some cool stuff. He's done some terrible stuff. I know a lot of people hate him. Um, I was going to say unpopular opinion. One thing that I'm going to take from that is one thing that I think would really help with the financial system in the way like our wealth is like kind of we have wealth disparity between the ultra rich and uh, the, I guess, have nots is taxation on inheritance. Like, a wealth tax. It's pretty generational, hard here. generational wealth tax where the money flow stops. Like the idea like that there's money that'll get set and parked and will never ever get touched again. Like it just keeps drawing money out of the system. Right? There's families right. that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars and they'll never get to the point of actually touching like So the money's kind of sitting there is what you're saying. The yeah. money becomes stale. It's not recycling through the system. And yeah. so if there was a wealth tax where you knew it couldn't go down to the next gen, only maybe ten percent or twenty percent or it was limited at a certain amount, where it's like, okay, they're still going to be financially well off, it would force that money back in the system, whether it be through investments or through just general spending. Well, I think, I think yeah, you have to do it through forcing the reallocation of that wealth. Because otherwise, people are like, well, I'll just stop. And there's some people that say, yeah, people should stop. When they reach a certain amount of money, they shouldn't be allowed to make any more money. But then a lot of stuff doesn't get done. Because there's some people who do it just for fun and shits and giggles, but let's be honest, the people who get the most done are money-motivated and do these things... To make money, totally. And if if it like ninety percent of the people don't don't ever get to a level of well, ninety eight percent of people do crazy things that help the world, and they never get to a level of wealth that's really I think like that amount of money, like over a hundred million dollars or even fifty million dollars. Yeah, that's true. Like, but I think if you're looking at real estate, unless you're going to turn the keys over to basically this modified private slash um, public housing system, which is kind of similar to what they do in China, right? Like where there are these big corps that build it, but they're tied at the hip to the I mean, government. It could create a more a more open market because then a bunch of people are like, oh, I have to sell these properties before I die to pay these tax bills. So now I'm forcing this more real estate into the market. It's giving new people an opportunity to get in. As a whole, the market is way more transient. There's things turning over all the time. Money continues to move. But isn't like the big deterrent for that Turnover the fact that people get taxed on it when they sell it. So ironically, the you'd, you'd have to pay a tax be, bill to pay another tax bill. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I feel like I don't think that it all needs to go to taxing. That's not necessarily the part that I like. But like you said, it, it needs to be reinvested back in the system because a lot mm-hmm. of it ends up just getting parked. And I understand a lot of it's already invested. So like a hundred million dollars is invested in a company that's doing something amazing. But there's lots of ones that are being invested in pretty basic things that could be doing being a lot more actively used in today's market. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it so it just kind of blows my mind. And what's happening is as time goes on, these families are getting further separated from the the regular the regular folk, people who don't get these massive inheritances. Yeah, yeah. And basically, they get to a class where they can't even 
really ever fall out of it because they have their own set of opportunities. There's yeah. so many people in that position now that go to elite schools that no one else gets the opportunity oh, to that, touch Oh, but that's on. even the drop in the bucket. It's literally like, just the residual income off this stuff. They don't even need to go to the elite schools if they don't want to. No, they I know, just but like, chill. it's just like those, yeah. they become in their own separate world. And so it just becomes this completely separated uh, thing. So anyways, that was but a complete a aside. That, I was that, just saying that because they inherited yeah. a bunch of stuff. But there's a lot of wealth that doesn't last as many generations as maybe people think. That's also very common that most most times yeah, the wealth does end up getting dried up after a few generations. Because the big thing that they did, and they being Trump and you know the popular siblings that actually got some of it, but Trump especially, like they just, I think they screwed like one sibling like totally out of it, right? And even so Trump like put fudge. a lot of things in there <clears throat> that at the end of the day, there's a reason you don't hear about the other Trump siblings. Like he got most of it. He weaseled his way in there as like the the favorite child and took a big chunk of it. Um, so so the others are, you know, they got a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. Like, they got a lot of money. Uh, I think it, at one me. point they got like $20 million each just like straight up to, to begin with, um, in addition to having like these trust accounts that I think he had set up like in the 70s. For them. Like, so they got tons of money, but not necessarily enough to say provide for what could be 16 grandchildren, you know, but Trump's lineage, his direct line is doing good, but some of the cousins like won't be doing as well a generation removed. My sympathy for all of you Trumpians that only got 20 mil. Imagine having the last name, but none of the money. <laughs> like, fuck you, suck. you're a Trump. You're like, man, I got nothing. nothing. I, got nothing. I got nothing but the bad parts of this. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying. It, uh, anyways, that was, that was just an aside that I've thought of. And I, I, sometimes, I say it a lot because I, I do think that there's a lot of like wealth hoarding that takes place. And, and it would be interesting. But at the same time, if anything like that went in place, literally all the money would just go offshore. Yeah. You'd never see it again anyways. Yeah. That, that, there's always a way around it. When you have that much money, there's no way that you're going to ever follow the rules. You didn't yeah. follow the rules probably to get to where you have where your money's at. But also I think like there's that fine line of like, okay, how much can we tax people before they tax sheltered in new ways, right? So that's why they turn the knobs really slowly. Um, you know, it's like a drip method. Like, let's get a little more each year because if you did it in one foul swoop, it's like, boom, everything's gone the next year. Yeah. But... Thanks so much for watching the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, press like. Don't forget to subscribe. But also check us out on Instagram and TikTok. You can find all the links below. Thanks again for checking us out. Broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.